Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. We are excited. It's a, it's a good day. It's a good evening. It's, it's a day of revelry in geekdom. We have an amazing guest, Richard. Amazing. Somebody that you've known for quite some time. Yes. Uh, it, I don't like to sometimes think about how long that period of time is because then it makes me remember that I'm old. But uh, this, old. this gentleman has uh, been a member of a variety of improv troops. He's done some acting. He's done some writing. He's a man of many talents, the incredible Leonard Pig. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> now, you're actually, uh, you were, at least the last time we talked, you were in the middle of shooting something right now, right? Yeah. Um, there's a series, uh, it's called Canary Currency, and it's on Amazon Prime and 2 TV. It's uh, actually being filmed in Kokomo, Indianapolis, and a couple of the surrounding areas. And um, I play a character named Slug, and uh, he is not, He's an interesting side character in so much as um, there's not there's there's certain ambivalence about him. Like he runs with a lot of criminals, and um, it makes you wonder because like when they first introduce him, he's working in a comic shop, which is actually a hideout for one of the characters. Um, but the gist of that series is basically like you got a heist going wrong, and uh, one of these guys decides to rat out the other, and to solve his problems and he doesn't anticipate the guy breaking out of prison to get revenge so it just sort of evolves from there and it's very um, I think dark and gritty is overused but it definitely has sort of a street flavor and it's it's got some interesting elements in it um, because from what I've some of the people I've talked to that have seen the series one of the things they they kind of they're not sure to root for do you root for the guy that broke out do you root for the guy that ratted? It's like, I guess it all just depends on your sensibility. So it, it kind of has a certain, uh, an ambivalence, I guess. And um, they're actually going to be doing a spinoff uh, called Sean and Smoke. And I'm going to be in that as well. Nice. Is that, uh, so you say it's filmed in Kokomo and, and Indy. Is right. the base of the show, like, does it say, hey, these people are from Indiana? Or is it just filmed in those locations? No, I mean, it's, there are a couple of times I think they make mention of it. There's not a lot, but like some of the locales, I mean, some of the bars, some of the, the scenery, like you'll see a welcome to Kokomo sign, you know, you'll see, um, like I said, certain landmarks that if you're aware, you'll, you'll realize it. Um, I mean, that's not like the big focus of it. It's very character driven and the episodes are relatively short. So if you don't have a huge attention span, you can end up just going on Amazon and blazing through an entire season, you know? You know that's actually a kind of a nice thing. As much as uh, as much as I enjoy something with some meat to it, movies that are two plus hours or shows that are at least an hour an episode, it is nice to have something that you can enjoy in spare moments. Because if if the listeners are anything like uh, those of us that are recording at the moment, uh, sometimes spare moments is all we get. Yeah. The um many other strange things I've kind of noticed with the series. Like I said, you you don't know who to root for. I mean, even the cops, like you got a cop that's on the take, you know, you, you've got um, all these people that are just sort of picking sides. Um, I've been having fun being a part of it because it's, uh, you know, sometimes like the, the scenes end up, might end up changing if somebody's not available. Next thing I have to switch things around and one person might be end up doing something else like, um, during some of the filming, um, I guess it was last year, um, I was sick. I was like sick as a dog. So they had to modify a couple of scenes. And, um, and I think it made, it still makes for interesting storytelling. It's cool that they're able to be that quick on their feet to kind of go, all right, well, we'll just switch it up. We'll have this guy do this instead and, and still keep the ball rolling. Are they trying to do the entire season, as it were, in a short period of time, or are they... Uh, trying to stretch it out and allow for that kind of flexibility for adjustment over time. Well, um, there are quite a few of the folks that in the, in the cast that have like factory jobs and that are doing uh, other things. So they, uh, they've been really good about keeping that in mind. And so 
um, you know, they'll try to let people know a few weeks in advance, hey, we're going to be filming on this day at this time. Would you be available? Okay, cool. And then they'll kind of go from there. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't know anything about having a, a day job uh, while we're doing this. <laughs> Gross. Can you do this on one week notice now? <laughs> so how did you get caught up doing this particular series or anything kind of related to this series? Well, some of the guys behind the production, uh, Derek Flagger, Kane Marco, uh, Brian Foster. The Juggernaut? Uh, all, <laughs> I know. Well, that's his, he's a rapper. That's his rap name. Um, but it's spelled different. It's like K-C-A-N-E-M-A-R-K-C-O. So, gotcha. uh, but yeah, the Juggernaut, though. Uh, he's got a Juggernaut tattoo, oddly enough. Well, you'd almost have to, right? But um, they knew that I was an actor and a few times they were doing some music videos in town and they needed some people. And, and I've, I've known Kane for years, probably since, Oh, maybe 2012, 2011. So, you know, he knew that I was always working on projects here and there. If it wasn't me writing something or acting in some indie films, because every now and again, you know, it's like I was doing on doing the occasional short film in Indianapolis or, you know, people I knew that are filmmakers that, you know, it, it becomes sort of an insulated group to a certain extent. You're kind of like, man, I need somebody on the fly or, you know, we need somebody to do this or that, you know, and I didn't expect my part to evolve the way it did, but the production kind of changed because of COVID. Um, initially, it was just supposed to be a film. And before that, it was just a series of music videos. There were at least two or three music videos that kind of play out the sort of beginnings of the story and one in one of the videos you see the heist and you see all the craziness go wrong and and um i was in one of the music videos but i wasn't necessarily a character yet although if you look at if you, um oh shoot it's called no shame it's one of kane marco's songs and in the video you'll see me dancing in this club and i've got on like a shazam t-shirt and so the, the funny thing is, it's like when they start to flesh this story out and decide to, you know, really move forward with it, um, it fit the character because here it was, I was working in a comic shop. So like they were using, a, there's a shop in Kokomo called Paradigm Comics Cafe and, and um, they had made arrangements to have uh, a lot of scenes filmed there. So um, I got in on the action and just, you know, I end up basically, it's like I was a background character, then all of a sudden I'm kind of been moving closer to the forefront along the way. You know, that shirt brings up an excellent question that we, we've talked about uh, on, on occasion. Uh, are you a, a person, uh, since we're all comic nerds uh, talking right now, are, yeah. you, are you a person that's like, oh, Shazam, okay, he's Shazam, or no, he's Captain Marvel. I don't care if you change his name. He is always Captain Marvel. Which camp are you in? I am the Captain Marvel camp. Um, nothing against Carol Danvers, formerly known as Ms. Marvel. But right. Captain Marvel has been, he was, it was Adventures of Captain Marvel in the old serials, the old black and whites back in the day. Yes, indeed. Um, they only started calling Shazam because of that whole, uh, I don't know, like Marvel and DC were kind of going at each other. It was like the one, it was like the Wonder Woman thing. Yeah. Like you had the Wonder Woman property and then Marvel came out with a Wonder Man character. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the the whole Captain Marvel thing, they kind of jumped in. I think right when the, the licensing to it was like lapsing because it was with, uh, was it Charleston Comics? I, mean. I think so, originally. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that's something we've talked about on a couple of occasions. I, I, I grew up with it being Captain Marvel. I understand the need for the change, but it's mm -hmm. I, I can't I can't call him Shazam. It, it you're going to change his name to what it, what he says. That's that's like oh uh, just a little weird. Just a little weird. Why can't they all be just be Captain Marvel? Right. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Well, there's a whole family. Yeah, I mean Marvel and DC both have a character called the Scarecrow. Right. And you've never seen them get into it over that. No. Um, I mean they both have all kinds of just different. Folks, I mean, even uh, I, I was writing uh, some short fiction for Amos uh, Cola, which used to be called Amos Magazine. And one of the characters I used, um, Hugo Danner, he was actually in uh, the second issue of The Six Emperors that I wrote with uh, James McCord. And that was a character from public domain 
the interesting thing about him is he's been in both universes. Um, Marvel premiere, I think first debuted him and they named the title man God. Mm-hmm. It was based on the, um, it was based on the novel. I think it was Philip. I want to say it was Philip Roth, maybe. Um, well, no, I'm not quite sure on that one. I'm going to have to do, double check on that. But um, anyway, this character, he was kind of like the Superman prototype. Right. So Marvel released like a series of stories with him as man God. And I think, I don't think, because the book was originally, no, Philip Wiley. Ah, the book okay. was called Gladiator originally. And um Anyway, Marvel had released it and they had like these beautiful painted covers with the that look like the Pope era. And you had the guy in like the, the rider pants and the boots and the big massive muscles. And it said, man, God. And I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. And that was Hugo Danner. And then I believe they used him in, uh, I think it was, if it wasn't All-Star Squadron, it might've been the Young All-Stars, but it was one of those um, teams that was at least around the time of the JSA, they yeah. were sort of fluidic. Like you had the squadron and the, in the society and they kind of right. just a society characters. Like they'd go back and forth between these groups and Hugo Danner was the father of a character named Iron Monroe. who's actually still a DC character. They just haven't yep. really done anything with him in a long, in a long time, but that was part of his, his origin, his mythology, he was the son of Hugo Danner. So he inherited these powers. So it's just interesting to see like, um, you know, you've got some characters that's kind of seep back and forth, and some of those are public domain. I mean, if you look at uh, the Shadow, like Marvel was putting out Shadow comics oh, yeah. once upon a time, oh, yeah. then DC was doing it. It's just whoever has the rights. I mean, and stuff like that, Conan the uh, Barbarian and stuff that uh, nobody could lay a claim to. I mean, Thor has been in both DC and Marvel. Obviously, everybody thinks of the Marvel Thor, but mm-hmm. you know, all of the 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 uh, gods from the mythologies have made appearances across the different comics over the years. Yeah. So it's uh, it makes it kind of interesting or you get those really weird instances like uh, when they do the crossovers between companies like the uh, <laughs> Avengers versus the JLA and they, they bring in uh, a character in that story that ends up being super important in DC storylines for years after that. And yeah. it's just kind of pretty funny so is that is is it your love of comics that got you into the wanting to write them down the down the line yeah pretty much um and it's it's always been one of those things it's like when you're a kid and um i remember when they used to have the spinner racks at the drugstore and you go grab a couple comics and um you know you and your friends would look through it like we used to get i remember used to, i used to get those marvel uh handbooks mm-hmm. like the official handbook of the marvel universe and, or the dc who's who and would leaf through that and go all right well which character do you want to be because we have their origin and have their powers and all this kind of stuff and what they're capable of and you just kind of boom next thing you know you're you know you and your friends are playing like you know it's like oh he wants to be silver surfer oh he wants to be spider-man well he wants to be sin eater all right well i guess we're playing and you get like these kooky mashups i mean <laughs> even I remember being in kindergarten and there was an older kid. Uh, he used to always have those DC digest. Do you remember those? Like the I blue do. ribbons? I they do. were like the size of a TV guide. And um, he'd be looking through them and we'd all be out, you know, I would ask him questions. And he was, the, he was the guy, he was like more of a comic aficionado than I was at that point. So it's like anything I would ask him, he would answer in like one word sentence, you know, or just like, Oh, how's the fantastic four get the powers cosmic rays. <laughs> Hulk gamma rays. Like he wasn't like, oh, they went up in a ship and everything. He's like cosmic rays, gamma rays, bitten by radioactive spider. You know, this that and the other, whatever. And uh, it was kind of funny because the the handful of kids that were really big into that stuff back then could solve debates because you know when everybody's on the playground want to be superheroes, everybody wants to be Superman or Batman. Right. And so it's like, well, you could be Superman, you could be Superboy, you could be Monel, you could be Bizarro. And you know you still have the same power set, and it's a variation on the theme. And booyah, fight was uh, resolved before it even started. I mean, you had a you mentioned the Shazam T-shirt, and, uh-huh. and you're younger. Everybody wanted to be Superman. Your background for those of us who are have, have video, you know, podcast people. The, there's yeah. a background photo. We have Batman. We have the Flash. Is we have a lot of DC things, right? 
Um, do you have uh, something that you kind of leaned more towards when you were younger or maybe something you lean more towards now? Or is it just a little bit of everything? Um, like the big two always were like the thing. That was, uh, I remember being a kid and then watching like the Luke Ferrigno, Bill Bixby, Incredible Hulk series. And then I remember thinking, I'm like, God, he's, he, he just got shot and he's bleeding. How'd that happen? Because in a, you know, the comics, Hulk's like fighting the army. He's like slug. He's like got artillery shells hitting him. And he's just getting pissed off, you know. Um, so even back then, kind of like started to be sort of a stickler. Um, the best way I kind of describe those worlds is if I wanted something more mythological and grandiose, I'd say go DC. They don't tell you. They don't quantify how many tons superman can lift marvel can tell you that the thing can do 85 tons the hulk can yeah. do 100 and that's before he even gets pissed off so you and, and what i also noticed too it's like with dc a lot of these characters didn't have a lot of uh, real world issues to deal with like you never saw clark kent struggling to pay rent but peter parker did yeah you know he had to try to look after aunt may this that and the other and it was like these people were having like some serious financial struggles like if you looked uh, like a lot of the DC characters, they weren't necessarily well. I mean, okay, so Batman and a few others were well off, but a lot of them never had to worry about like money issues. And theoretically, if Superman was, even if he didn't have a regular job, he could you know crush a lump of coal into a diamond and go <laughs> ding, go to a pawn shop. How much can I get for this? Twenty bucks. Yeah. That doesn't look real, right? <laughs> um, you know, they they seem to be a, the the Marvel characters a little bit more flawed. And I felt like they were a little more grounded in that respect. Um, I was, it's funny. I remember one, I remember back in the day before everybody knew that what Wolverine's real name was, and they went into the whole origin thing. He was just Logan. And they were like, is that first name or last name? Oh, it's just Logan. <laughs> he was just like this mystery man. And you just didn't know. And he was just like this tough guy. And, you know, I mean, he was popular. And if he show up in any book, you know, he'd show him power pack and suddenly that's like a $10 book. Like what? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a common thing back in the day is, is your, uh, is your book not doing too well? Put Wolverine on the front. It'll yeah. do some sales. Or Punisher. That's uh, another one. So actually, I think I, I seem to remember there was like a, a, a she Hulk, a she Hulk, uh, issue where that's, that's the whole joke. And she, you know, with that whole fourth wall breaking, it's like, yeah, we're doing this on purpose. <laughs> it's just kind of, yeah. uh, but. Uh, I, I remember the one where she says, um, buy this book. I'm going to come into your house and tear up all your X-Men comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that John Byrne run on, on She-Hulk was amazing. I love mm -hmm. that series. Um, some, no, go ahead. I was going to say, he did some great stuff. Like when he was, you know, hitting his stride creatively, I mean. Of course, the, the the run with Claremont and X Men was just outstanding. The Fantastic Four, um, when he did like when he rebooted, like the post crisis Superman, Man of Steel, and moving forward there, and just you know he did a lot of great stuff. He did. I mean, I don't know what happened with him. I just I just know that I remember before I began gained an appreciation for who was writing, who was drawing, and who was the behind the scenes stuff. I used to see his artwork a lot and go, oh, wow, that's very cool, you know? You know, because they had a lot of those posters with him. And, you know, it was like John Byrne, Kerry Gamble. Right. Um, i trying to think of it. it was Keith Pollard, uh, Dennis Cowan, Mark Bright. You had all these guys that you'd see them do so much. And you go, man, these guys are amazing, you know? Yeah, it's it's... I, I still have fond memories. I, I've talked to Richard about this a little bit, just the specifically stuff that he did. And my, I was always an Avengers guy while all of my friends were X-Men guy way back in the day before there was ever a hope of a decent movie being made about any of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I loved his introduction on the West Coast Avengers of, of the Great Lakes Avengers. That's still one of my favorite insertions <laughs> of stories. It's so incredibly ludicrous but the art is crisp and the writing is fun mm -hmm. and it's just you know kind of just a nice break from oh the world is falling well not really so much we've got this uh pink dinosaur flying girl and uh <laughs> a guy that's like reed richards but only can be flat <laughs> it's just, it's mr incredible. immortal who just kept getting killed over <laughs> and over and over you know, they actually have done some stuff with that character recently, which still makes me giggle a little bit. 
Oh, so it's lasted. The stuff's lasted. Because you remember they came out with a title called the GLA? Yes. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my God, like there's going to be some guy that wanders in the comic shop and the JLA is going to be the next part over. And he goes, oh, this looks like pretty good. And then gets home and he's like, wait a second. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was. Squirrel girl. What? Yeah. And it's Based funny because it's, <laughs> yeah, even before right. Squirrel Girl, there was like, you know, Speedball. Yes. Which was like that kind of hero. Nobody really took all that seriously. I mean, he had a pretty decent power set, but. He just, you know, bouncing around. I'm like, that's product of the 80s. Like, that's cocaine. Yeah. But do you remember when they tried to make him, like, gritty? When they <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turned him into a penance? Is that what they yeah. what he was calling himself? Yeah. And he was wearing a spiked outfit. And I'm like, he should be in a bondage club. He shouldn't be out fighting crime. <laughs> okay. So do you remember, uh, you've seen MCU's uh, Civil War. So the... You know, Captain America yep, Civil War, yep. right? So that Civil War storyline was based on the comics. And in the comics, the thing that started that Civil War storyline was a, a, a group uh, called the New Warriors that were popular for a while and then just kind of weren't. And so they decided to say, well, they needed funding because their, their resident rich person couldn't fund them anymore. And so they decided to become a reality television show and chase down criminals and they weren't paying attention and didn't let up and one of them took out multiple blocks including you know school children well speedball is the his whole thing is if you hit him he's basically diverts kinetic energy in the opposite direction so you can't really hurt him uh he just flies around but so they say well what if the explosion was so massive that it short-circuited his powers, and now he still has them, but he must he must experience pain, you know, in a very lame metaphorical way about what he was partially responsible for to be able to create this energy again. It was terrible. Yeah, Hence I mean, the penance. Okay. Yeah. And then <sighs> the fact that they were like chasing down nitro, it's like those guys were outclassed going after somebody like that. It's like no, I mean. Call the Avengers, just call somebody else. Don't don't try. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting though, in in within the Marvel universe, you'll see a lot of uh I mean when the New Warriors came out, they they debuted in Thor. Yep. They were trying to fight Juggernaut, and you're like, nah, bro, you ain't gonna do that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, that. that was during the Acts of Vengeance uh storyline where we're going to trade the villains are gonna trade heroes because we always lose, so that won't happen if we trade. This random mysterious person said so, so we'll follow his <laughs> follow his instructions. It's bound to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good stuff. You later find I was actually Loki the whole time. Yeah. Have you been keep keeping up with all of the shows and whatnot from Marvel or and or do you keep up with the there's a lot of I think really excellent uh, animated stuff from DC. Like do you keep up with all those things i try to um you know as budget permits and as time permits um i saw that beware my power the green lantern animated feature which i didn't think was bad it just was a bit different as far as it kind of took what was a core of a story and sort of just went left you know i mean you as as my as i've gotten older i've just had to kind of realize like you almost have to think of everything they put out as being some sort of an else world or what if because nobody's ever going to follow the actual continuity completely it just doesn't work that way no. whether hollywood dips their fingers in or the studio goes oh let's do this it's like they did killing joke i mean the fact that they had batgirl and batman sleeping together in the animated feature like that didn't happen in the in the books but it was just something they wanted to throw in sprinkling for a little flavor go hey let's let's make add it some spice let's make yeah. it naughty <laughs> but um i like a lot of it i do um there have been a few things is i remember watching moon knight and i just thought they made him way too metaphysical in the beginning it was almost too much like you know, he and, was it scarlet scarab were doing like an incantation toward the end of it to bind the villain and all this stuff and i'm like this is like you already made him a head case it's like you could have started with him as being just you know that Merc turned vigilante redemptions thing, and go from there. So I don't know what they would do with him next. Because are they going to have him just keep fighting like Mystic Void and stuff? 
or will they just kind of get him grounded and have him like you know busting heads on the street i mean it'd be fun i mean i know they were talking about doing werewolf by night and that's kind of what that character spun out of if i recall the movie yeah. series yeah that'd be that fun. Could be, yeah that could be something fun to do i mean um i always thought it was funny though that the guy uh werewolf by night his name is jack russell yep you know <laughs> <laughs> oh so back in the day yeah, when we were in college together, you know, being the comic book nerds that we were and, you know, enjoying the theatrical and uh, and games in general, we would combine this hall and play the amazing Marvel role-playing game. And so you could really could. When you say it's like, oh, you want to be Silver Surfer? Yeah, yeah, that's what we could do. We One person could be whatever hero, but you can make your own hero. And all you had to remember was that uh, uh, that – Phase rip was the most important thing. Fighting, agility, strength, endurance, reason, intelligence, and psyche. All right there. You got your character and they it and unlike other character sheets, it was like a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of the strangest thing. What what range are you gonna be? So I always uh I always remembered that. I I always enjoyed uh, any stat that I could get into feeble. Feeble too, that's me all day long. <laughs> That's the starting lowest level that you could get, but yeah, like on May strength, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just nothing you can. My my, I have a uh, flight at feeble. <laughs> it's like I could jump four feet, like, <laughs> stay there for a second, and then fall back down. So, the reason I brought that up is just beyond the fact that it was fun. Yeah, is that kind of sort of the thing that. Uh, made you like the idea of uh, doing improv or did you just kind of get into that because you knew some people and wanted to try and do something different? Um, it's kind of funny and all kind of cycles around because when I was, uh, I remember being in middle school and uh, doing theater, like local children's theater. And there was a group of kids that would be backstage. Like, you know, we're in the dressing room and, you know, if you don't have a lot of scenes and you've just got a minor role, you might be one out there once or twice and the rest of the time you're just backstage or back, not backstage, but in the dressing room just kind of hanging out. And there was a guy, um, a friend of mine named Paul. And I remember uh, he had, he talked about Dungeons and Dragons and, um, you know, the TSR stuff. And he was like, oh, well, you know, TSR, the superhero game. Like, what and so next thing you know there's a group of us when we're playing one of the modules and um i think when the first big things we took on i remember some octodroid which is like a giant robot replica of dr octopus right and, you know um <laughs> but it was fun i mean and, and of course yeah the, the theatrical aspect is great with any kind of role playing i mean uh it definitely it, it brings together a lot of things I enjoy. I'm like, oh, it, like these elements of fantasy and comics and, you know, the role play stuff. Because, you know, like you sit around and play games with a group of people and you might have somebody playing a character named Tex. So all of a sudden your buddy, you know, that used to live down the halls, like he's talking like this for the entirety of the game session because that's how his character sounds. And even though you're getting annoyed by it, you kind of have to give him kudos because he kept that accent going. He didn't have to, but he did, you know. And then, of course, the next evolution of that was like going to live action role playing games where it's like you're dressing and acting as this person and and, which was just a whole nother level. And so, again, the theatrical aspect came in and and that, you know, it was it was just a trip. It was fun. You know, only problem is when you were doing an accent for that long, sometimes you get stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's not such a bad thing unless you go into like Dr. Claw or something. I'll get you gadget. That was spot on. <laughs> do that for like two hours. Like, I yeah. can't talk. Yeah, you will have a voice if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, but, you know, that's it, it seems like it's kind of freeing being able to kind of ad lib. What, what, kind of, uh, what kind of improv have you uh, done? I remember back when I was in, God, this was, I think I was still in, maybe just getting into high school and I'd taken dramatic improv. Uh, with this British director uh, named Colin Black, God rest his soul. Um, it was very heavy, like dramatic improv. It was, you know, it was all serious. It was like, you know, we were calling forth scenes from mythology and and a lot of really darker elements, which, you know, 
I wasn't, I was ready. I was just like, I'm going to be ready for it eventually, you know? So I just kind of rolled with it. And then um, as far as the comedic improv aspect, um, I actually auditioned, and this was like after college, uh, there was a group called Nietzsche's Trailer Park hmm. that used to do, uh, they do shows like Theater on the Square. And uh, a lot of the people from that group were like former uh, members of uh, comedy sports and a couple other uh, improv groups that were in India at the time. And so I linked up with them and, you know, some of what we did was scripted, but there were some improvisational bits along the way. I had a blast and we did a show like in the early 2000s. It was like, I remember it was a week of 9-11 and it was just like, holy smokes. You know, there was a scene where I was playing this uh, character with this very thick accent and I had a turban. They were like, don't wear the turban. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) No, we don't want to disturb anybody. I said, what are you talking about? no, you know, 9-11 hit and those guys wore turbans. I'm like, yeah. you knew what they wore? <laughs> I, said, and I said, really? Even then when I was doing my accent, I said, it's not an Arabic accent. It's probably close to like a Turkish or a, almost like a Kazakhstan kind of thing. I'd probably sounded more like Borat. But they were like, don't wear the turban. Don't do it. I'm like, okay. So like I do this scene and I come walking out. So I'm just like, it changed the tone of it a little bit, but it's still it's still kind of hidden so much as here I was this foreign guy and I'm talking about um, like, uh, yes, I am uh, go to Broad Ripple. I will have them uh, uh, Red Bull and uh, vodka <laughs> and listen to some mad beats. Yes. Uh, need ladies for to have sex. You know? <laughs> and that was the brunt of it. it. That's still, it's still hit. I'm like, okay. The turban was just extra. It wasn't a requirement. I'm like, you know and, and we were at least flexible enough in that respect i just thought they were overacting like i didn't think i was gonna get beat up at the show or anything you know <laughs> didn't occur to me it was just like uh, it was already part of the show you still still keeping up with that right now um now like the nietzsche's trailer park i did um i did like the one one series of shows with them and after that they had started to reform and then even though I was in the cast, they were like wanting me to come audition again. And I was just like, really? Um, okay. I thought I was in the cast, but okay. I came and auditioned. And then next thing you know, like the, it was just, it all just kind of fell apart from what I had heard. So I just didn't think much of it. But now since then, and this is in more recent years, probably it was 2018. Um, I had uh, started taking some improv workshops down in Indianapolis with uh, Peter Spellos. He's like a great character actor, voice actor. He's been doing, He's been in the game for like 40 years and he's very insightful. And so um, I started doing these workshops on, on like the weekends, like a Saturday, Sunday, and just, just doing like once a month. And it just kind of got me back into acting because at the time I was just, I was in a funk. I was just very depressed and, and just uh, dealing with a lot of loss. And um, I do remember acting being one of the things I enjoyed. And one of the things I loved and I had not done improv like proper in a long time. So I thought, you know what, if I take the workshop and I'm not into it, I'm not feeling it. I'm done with acting. And that was like, that was the literal agenda I had going into it. I'm like, this is either going to jumpstart the game or I'm done. And I really dug it and had a blast. And then next thing you know, like he was like, kid, you got the chops. He goes, we're doing a uh, show at PopCon we're going to need a couple more people you want in. I'm like, sure. You know? So next thing you know, boom, there I was doing popcorn indie. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> had a blast, man. You know, <sighs> popcorn like is, is, has a, has a nice following of people that attend each year. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well run. I mean, I, cause I've been to some shows where it's like, and I'm, I'm not going to name drop what show was, but I'd went to a convention and, you know, like, they always have panels and things. Sometimes it'll be about cosplay or it'll be about, oh, fans of whatever the TV show of the day is that's really popular, whatever's trending. And they had a panel that was going to be about diversity and inclusion in comics. I'm like, that looks like an interesting workshop. I'm going to go check that out. Went in there, sat down, and it's like there's a bunch of people in there. And everybody on the panel is a bunch of white dudes. I was like, um what's going on here you know it, it's like do you remember a couple of years ago like these 
there were uh, I think it was even on C-SPAN. These people making fun of it. Uh, there was a uh, like a, a health symposium, like a women's health symposium, and they had a panel. It was all male doctors, and everybody was like, um, "This is uh, something's missing here." <laughs> you know, that's kind of what it felt like. Dude, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, God, I know they were like, you could have snagged a couple black dudes from Artist Alley, grab a woman or two, some of these female artists, writers. I mean, come on, you know, but. I just, I guess it just didn't occur to them at the time. Yeah. You know. Best of intentions, hopefully. <laughs> I, I'd like, I'd like to think so. <laughs> Diversity. It's, a, it was a street, a couple blocks away. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, yeah. so how? Okay, I have to ask about that particular panel. Did you stay for the whole thing? No, I got him on the left. I'm like, okay. Left. I was, I was going to ask how long it took. To, to just kind of nosedive. <laughs> I, it was funny because, like, I remember I walked out and, like, I saw as I was walking out, this black dude was walking and he looks and goes, Are you shitting me? I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> back, back to exhibit hall. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's kind of like, um, I mean, I've been to a good number of shows, like some of the bigger ones, even some of the small scale ones. And I, and I think it's funny, like, uh, there was one of the shows I was at in Logansport. And it was, um, we know they got fiberglass freaks in Logan Sport. They do the, uh, they're, le- they're licensed to do the replicas of the, the 66 Batman. Oh, right, Batman right, movie. right, right. And, um, and so they would have it on display in the mall and they had all these vendors and, and some creators that were there with their wares. I think the biggest name of the show at that time, I mean, aside from like the bat stuff, I mean, you had like Mark Wade there, which was really cool. Ooh. And, um, it was cool to just kind of, I, I, cause I'd met him a couple of times. Just, uh, I'd ran into him at like one of the Ash comic shows. Do you remember those down in Indianapolis? Yes. And I just happened to run into him by happenstance. And I was just kind of like, I'm looking over and this guy's like looking through back issues and next thing over. And I'm like, excuse me. He's like, yeah. I said, are you Mark Wade? He goes, yeah. I said, Hey man, I dig your work. And we talked a little bit and it was cool. And I, I ended up buying a couple of books. Cause I think at the time he was doing Spider-Man from Marvel. And I said, would it be all right if, could I, I said, I don't want to bother you, but I said, could I get autographed? Yeah, no problem, man. And signed off on it. Gave me a smile. We were cool, you know, and I talked to him probably a few other times since then, you know, but um, I remember this is around the time New 52 was jumping off at this, uh, this show in uh, Logan Sport. And a lot of people are asking all these different questions about, and they had all these um like one of the things was like a Q&A. And so I, I actually, I think it was, uh, I had asked him, I said, what do you think of this whole new 52 thing? I said, it's drastically different in certain respects. Because what I thought was interesting is they kind of let them left themselves a way out because <laughs> Just the exactly. Batman mythology and the Green Lantern mythology, both were still intact, yep. they said. So all that history had not been negated for them. So I thought, well, that with, with that said, that presents an anomaly that some time traveling character can exploit at some point it would it would probably happen if it didn't go over but i said it's just i said i'm really not feeling it. he goes he says well i don't think i'm the target demographic for that particular launch you know because it, it was they were trying to uh i guess appeal to a younger audience a fresher crowd and really it just felt like they were doing their impression of image comics in the 90s right you know yeah i mean not not there's anything wrong with it but if it ain't broke you know no, I, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you were talking about the, the who's who and the, the Marvel universe to me, that's the answer. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're always afraid to, when they're bringing in new people that they're not going to want to get into it because, you know, there's so much history already and it's impossible to catch up. No, it's not. You make a who's who and a Marvel universe and you make them cheap. And then, you know, you don't even really need that now with the internet. You know, they've got their own yeah. websites. Just put the basic history there and you're caught up in five minutes. Jump yeah. right in. In fan wiki or whatever. I mean, there's so many of those. And what I thought was interesting, like having watched the She-Hulk series, have you guys seen it so far? I I am current as of this recording. Okay, same here. Um, and I remember seeing some of the, the characters in the trailer and I, they had a guy that looked like a Power Ranger character in one of the first trailers. And I found out I was supposed to be Frogman. Oh. And I was just like, what? Funny. The fabulous Frogman? <laughs> They're bringing him in? Are you serious? <laughs> oh, my God. Like the the little little 
you know, like 10 year old geek in me that remembers buying the Marvel team up right. for him and Spidey or taking on like the white rabbit was just like, Oh my God, dude, really? If that's the case, maybe there's some hope we'll see like Razorback or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean I just, why not this? I was excited if the wrecking crew showed up. Yes. Even though yeah. it was really cheesy, but that's kind of the point, you know. I mean, I made a meme about it, and I've seen it kind of getting shared around where I basically said, is, is this the wrecking crew or is this the new village people? <laughs> because these guys, you know, they were like these sort of like mousy construction guys. I'm like, they don't look like proper construction guys. They just, no. you know, I mean, if you're going to go that route, I mean, I remember sort of reading some of the rumors and things about uh, the She-Hulk series before it came out. And one of the stories was that they were going to end up getting gamma power and that's how they ended up being you know the big buff crazy guys that they were like in the comics but it's like no don't do that the the close that they did at least kind of acknowledge that they all had what was the asgardian uh weaponry right so it's like okay they they had that i'm like because that's how the wrecker you know the magic crowbar and everything you know the norn stones from carnilla and that's what gave his abilities and and he decides to share use a crowbar and share with his buddies so, I mean, they could still conceivably get that back on track and make them bigger menaces, you know, whether they will. I don't know. I mean, I'm just enjoying it for what it is. And I'm kind of I'm glad to see Tim Roth again. Yes. Yes. He's such a great actor. Like, you know, <laughs> the whole, you know, like the, the abomination thing and the fact that they've, you know, in the time that he hasn't been seen, they evolved him. You know, yeah. he looks a little more like the comic counterpart because originally he just looked like doomsday on crack. Yeah. I am uh, I am of the opinion and of the hope that they will be bringing in the leader in a in a similar kind of slight reinterpretation because yeah. the it it just seems like it's going that direction. Yeah. But but we'll see. I mean, especially when you have a character that's you know, She-Hulk is essentially a Hulk spinoff. She's tethered to him because they're common with the gamma rays and everything. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you like when you watch a Supergirl, Lex Luthor turns out to be one of the big antagonists. A lot of Superman's rogues were coming after her and it fit. It works, you know, because yeah. I mean, really, it's like, oh, if I couldn't beat up Superman, maybe I can beat up his cousin. You know, it's like, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh. <laughs> And I have to admit, I it, the the outfit was kind of crazy, but uh, even if it was for just a split second, getting to see Titania uh, uh, with Jamila Al Jamil as that part, I I I kind of marked out for that. I was like, yeah, but yeah. but will we get to see will we get to see the uh, absorbing man? I I want to see those two together because that's yeah that, that's the fun. I mean, they had him in Agents of Shield, right? And he was good. The guy, actor yeah. they got was great. The writing on it was solid. Uh, we can hope. We can hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah, he was cool. But you know, the Wrecking Crew were basically just jobbers. If you ever needed a villain to lose to a hero, they need to be powerful enough to be a threat, kind of, but easy enough to beat. Uh, that's who you got. They were the Brooklyn Brawler of. Uh, <laughs> Of the comics world, um, and there's it's amazing the kind of the cross similarities between comics and wrestling, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe that's why I love both. I mean, you love both, right? Yeah, and it's funny. Like I, I, I got out of wrestling when I was a kid. I was all about it. I had like the the AWA and NWA figures. I had like the WWF and had the big ring and all that. And then they reached a certain point in the nineties, and I think it was right around the time. Well, it had to be like early 90s because everybody had mullets. Like they did one of the uh, World Rumbles and everybody that came to the ringside <laughs> running down had a mullet flying behind them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, I think even Coco Beware had like a Jericho mullet. So it's like yes, Jerry did. Juice and mullet. You know, the black mullet was just flying <laughs> and behind him. He's probably dousing that poor, uh, uh, was that a parody hat? I can't a remember. Macaw or something? Yeah, he had some kind of tropical bird. I was like... Okay, they had some pretty quirky characters back in the day, and and I did find myself finding some of those pretty hilarious. You remember a guy named Michael Saxon? I do, I do remember Mike. I... He'd come out with the if he didn't have a thriller jacket on, he'd have like the sparkly drum major major type Michael Jackson vibe going, and just proceeded to just get beaten like mercilessly. I'm like, man, 
I always loved the acts that were just north of the ones that got beat like that. So you get like a Hercules back in the day on his own, never really did really well. And Paul Roma, <laughs> kind of the same way, but put him in a tag team, power and glory. They, they kind of did a little something. Yeah. And it's just, it was a joy to watch that sort of thing happen. What, what's funny is uh, since I started uh, doing the announcing for AACW, um, I'm, because I just came on as an announcer initially, and then I am getting sort of bumped up to being president later on. And um, just having conversations with some of the other wrestlers, because, uh, you know, like I stopped watching and I didn't like dislike it. It just became one of those things. I'm like, I went full tilt into like gaming and a lot of other stuff. So I just, the wrestling just fell the wayside. It's not like I dislike it, but it was one of those things. Every once in a while, if I see it on, I might watch some. It's kind of like, um, it was like the Highlander TV series. Like I was all about that when it came out, but it hasn't been on TV in years. But if I saw something like, or if I saw on the movies or if I saw, you know, if something pops in my news feed on YouTube or somewhere else, I'm like, Oh my God. And kind of go down memory lane. I'm like, I enjoy this. I remember this. And um, it's interesting to talk to some of the wrestlers and, you know, you can see who's influencing who, like there's a, there's a guy I, I talked to, um, I think, Zane West, and he's one of the indie wrestlers, and he he does AACW and a few other uh, travels around a bit. And I he had sort of like this sort of cowboy vibe about him, so the good old boy energy. And I said, you know, we were talking Messenger one time. And I said, you know, you got that whole Stan Delariat Hanson vibe. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, and he was like, oh, you get it. I'm like, I totally get it because you know, I I remember the old school stuff. I was into it, so. I'm bringing that forward. Cause like, I don't know a whole lot about Roman Reigns and you know, the Miz and all these, this whole wave of like the buffed up Roy to dudes. But I remember some of those guys like Terry Funk, Holy smoke, man. Those guys were like Harley race junkyard dogs. Some of those dudes were just beasts in the ring. You know, yeah. what, what and, does your role as president? Like, tell me a little bit about what that entails. Okay. Well, I'm still doing announcing. I've got another announcer there, uh, uh, Shane uh, Timmons. He's got a, he's got sort of a, he's got a show called Shooting with Shane SWS, and uh, he's been getting a bit more active in in the, like some of the ring stuff because he's got a son that wrestles. And so um, for me, it's like for a time there, I was I didn't have anybody to banter with, so I'm just kind of giving a play by play. But with that, somebody there to kind of talk to and banter with, that improves. I feel like that adds more to the ambiance of of the announcing, you know. Yeah. And so it's like I've been doing that, and then like the fact you've got a lot of guys that just have beef with each other, and they want to just beat each other to death. But like, oh, we we need you to sign up on the match. We need your approval, Mister President. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And you know, sometimes I got to check people because they get a little bit out of line. I'm like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Or oh, we're gonna do this. Or like, oh, you can get a title shot when you've earned it and sometimes the dudes get pissed but that's just the way it is i mean you can't just get run over i mean and i'm I'm trying to not get into that position where i end up sort of getting i don't feel like getting tossed around the ring myself so i'm like (laughs) you know i'm definitely playing the more administrative end of it the you know and i've I've talked a lot of people after the show some folks will come up and go oh it's a really great show i like this or i like that or you know if we're doing giveaways you know some of the kids will come up and They'll ask me stuff. I'm just taking selfies of people. I'm like, really? Okay. I'm like, I wasn't, I mean, I came in the ring and just kind of said hi to everybody and did a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of an introduction at the beginning of the show. You know, Shane and I'll do that. But, you know, as far as me really getting down and like getting in the squared circle and knuckling up with these dudes, I haven't done it. I keep getting people asking me though. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tempting. It really is because. You know, I used to do martial arts and I used to do wrestling in high school. And um, so I had moments where I was just like, you know what, maybe someday. But I'm going to have to go some training first. I'm not just going to go dive into like a maniac. I'm like, nah, don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy in a suit getting suplexed, you know. We got to get you down to the power plant, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's like. Oh. It's it's interesting because um, one of the other things I didn't really I didn't realize until I got into the indie wrestling circuit as far as you know doing the shows ring rats are a thing mm-hmm. 
I didn't even know about this whole phenomenon until like there were some of these girls who were just acting crazy. Like, you know, some guy coming down the ringside and they're like, ah! and they're freaking out and they're twerking and they're like, you know, trying to reach out and grab on the wrestlers and just, you know, and it's, it's funny. I'm just like, wow, they got groupies, you it, know? I mean, it's a strange like, world. Yeah. I mean, you get the guys that are coming to the show to watch dudes like beat each other up and it's all testosterone and tough guy type shit, you know? And then you've got the ring rats and they're just like getting hot and bothered watching these dudes slam each other around, you know? Um, I thought it was interesting though to watch the crowd's reaction to some of these folks because, you know, when it's an independent circuit, not everybody knows who everyone is. So, you know, we announce somebody and they come out. It all depends on maybe their maybe their theme music gets people pumped up, or maybe um, if they come out and go, "You guys suck." All right, this guy's the heel. We're gonna boo this guy. <laughs> if somebody comes out, it's like there was a guy like uh, there was one of the wrestlers that like, one of them has a warm mask, like Liberty Kid. He comes out and it's like he's playing real, real Americans. Well, hell, Hulk Hogan ain't using it, right? He comes out to ringside and he's like, "Yeah!" And the crowd like, "Ah!" They get hyped up and he's running around high fiving the kids. And okay, like this, you should probably cheering for this guy. The dude that comes out who either if he doesn't like get salty with the crowd, or if he's walking by and people are trying to touch him, he just like shoots him a death glare. He's like, "Yeah, shut up," you know. Like, okay, that's the bad guy, and that's where you see the big differentiation as far as the, you know, the with the the indie circuit goes. Um, but it is fun. There's a certain level of unpredictability. I've seen uh, a couple times where matches were just like. Um, they didn't make it in the ring. They just were just fighting. I'm like, dude, this is like being in a bar. <laughs> you know, like when I was, uh, after I'd moved back to Kokomo, Indianapolis, I remember going to a, like there was a BW3s in town and I, and that was a place everybody was going hanging out, you know, having some drinks and kick it. And they show the, um, like the pay-per-view events. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go to that. And then it's like half the time people were so rowdy in there. You didn't get to watch the pay-per-view on the big screen. Cause you see some dude getting the snot beat out of him in front of everybody else. <laughs> you know, I was just like, wow, this is like, are, are you, are you saying that some of the individuals on the, the independent circuit don't quite know when to, to let it go? <laughs> no, I'm just saying the guys that are drunk. Oh, oh, BW threes. Um, <laughs> it, it turns into like Rocky Horror. Like, oh, these guys are getting beat up on the screen, and this guy's over here getting beat up in real life. Wow, it becomes a sort of like you know art imitating life. <laughs> I I know I've uh, I've on occasion wanted to put somebody in a hammerlock. I it just happens. Oh yeah. Uh, tell me if you if you participate in the logistical side of it, but like I'm kind of curious too, like setting up these independent matches like you have to have a place you have to have uh concessions sometimes or selling mm. merchandise or you have to have security or you have to pay for whatever like tell me a little bit about the logistical stuff about setting these things up well initially going into it um the guy who actually runs aacw and i believe their facebook's aacw old school lives that's the sensibility that he wants to bring to it shane Kowser, and he used to wrestle under the name jh hogg and I think he's actually going to be making a comeback next month. But um, one of the things was there, that was the issue of finding a venue. Like, I guess a few years ago, uh, they were at a nightclub, uh, Front Row Live, where they would do the shows. And so you had the bar, you had your, you know, so people, would, if they wanted, they could go in there, get some, get a cocktail or just get some wings or whatever it was they wanted while they watched these guys, you know, go to town. And they end up changing venues because I think the club had changed hands. And they were at the Alliance Event Center in Kokomo for a time. And that was what used to be a crisis center. It was like a former bingo hall. And then the other side of it was where Paradigm Comics was. So it's like, you know, you had, um, I mean, it was a pretty sizable building. And so it was big enough that they could put the ring in there and get set up. And they did have concessions uh, because the venue itself, they had, uh, you know, they had stuff there that they were already selling when they would have events and things because uh, people were having birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and all, you know, all other kinds of things like proms and stuff there. So there was already sort of a built-in thing there. So that wasn't something that um, we had to really worry about. It was just a matter of us getting like 
you know, getting the wrestlers in there and get the ring up and getting butts in seats, as they say. Um, what was funny, though, uh, with Alliance, it was a great venue, but the ceilings weren't high enough. Hmm. So the wrestlers really couldn't get on the top rope. Like, you know, some of them are high flyers. Like that's their, <laughs> that's their bread and butter. So all of a sudden you have these dudes, it's like, I remember one of the shows, it's like, it was, this was a match between these two guys and they're going back and forth. I mean, and it was just like, oh, man, intense. And one of the guys jumps up on the top rope and he kind of forgets because he was just caught up in it. And he, he jumps up and busts the ceiling tile and it comes down. He's going to land on the guy. So all this shit, like, last year's coming down. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's carnage. Yeah. And then I think when the dudes grab a piece of it, just like bop the guy with it, you know. Um, another crazy event that, or incident that happened at uh, Alliance was uh, we had a Anything Goes match. And it was, I think it was Brody Bodkins and Christian Cash were the, the two guys going at each other. And uh, people could bring in weapons. But not like no guns or knives, but you could bring in like a broom, uh, you know, pipes, baseball, bats, hockey, you know, like hockey sticks. Somebody brought in a hockey stick, tennis rackets. Like people brought in all kinds of crazy stuff. She had, there was some little old lady who was like waving a pot in a pan. She's like, yeah, yeah, hit him at this, hit him at this, you know. And some of them had like the, you know, the, the, the sheets you like you cook stuff on, like a, like a cookie sheet and somebody's wham just these guys just wailing on each other and people were throwing stuff into the ring and then at one point a dildo <laughs> rolls into the middle of the ring <laughs> and there was this moment where it's like you know the one the wrestlers he's like wailing the other guy and they both kind of stopped and looked down there's this you know black rubber dong rolling across the thing and the guy just was like <laughs> They just kick it out of the way and just kept going. And I was like, oh my god, dude, like who thought that would be like a, a like a blackjack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He probably could concuss somebody with that though. You hit somebody hard enough with a rubber dong, they're probably gonna go down. There, so. <laughs> but at the same token, do you want to handle it? It could be used. Uh... Yeah, it's like you hope you would hope it's new. You know, you just don't even have to deal with it. That's the smart move. Uh, get it out of the way. You know, you land yeah. on that wrong, you're going to hurt a nerve in your back or something. It's, it's yeah. just not going to happen. But I mean, there's right now they've got a, a, a bigger venue. It's uh, Carver Community Center in Kokomo, and it's like the Carver has like a couple of basketball courts there, so they've got the high enough ceilings. These dudes are jumping off the ropes. They're jumping out of the rings on each other. And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot better venue and uh, Carver because they already do sporting events and things there. They have concessions and whatnot built in. So that's just something we don't have to worry about logistically. Now, as far as um, merch, um, there are a few wrestlers that have merch. They'll come there and they might set up a table or, you know, during the intermission that we have and they'll, out there and pimp whatever wares they have because i guess there's companies that you can make do you remember when they used to have the uh the wrestling buddies and they were like the little stuffed oh yeah the replicas the wrestlers like you can actually get those made in any likeness so, so there was a there was a couple indie wrestlers that did that huh. and some of the guys had t-shirts and things so you know they had some some wares that they could pimp and then of course um they had table they had it set up where if somebody wanted to get vendor space there they could you know, so if somebody wanted to, they had T-shirts and things that they were trying to sell, they could totally just get some space there and, and pimp that out. And, you know, and we're just kind of freed up like that. And it's very cool because, you know, the, I, the less the the less we have to worry about, oh, is there enough popcorn or, you know, are there enough nachos? Because I remember one time we were one of the shows and um, they ran out of nachos. And people are coming up to me going, hey, man, where's the nachos? I said, you just got, I said there's, what, you just go up in line, right? There should be some nachos. No, man, they're out of nachos. What the hell are you going to do about it? I'm like, nothing. The show must go on. <laughs> I, I would like to think in my in my heart of hearts that you didn't come to this damn wrestling show just for the nachos. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Oh. You know, those those small venues are some of the good stuff. I mean, you hear you hear um, some just excellent independent 
stories. I mean, and if the yeah. independents do well enough, they can even you know, rise to levels like ECW eventually yeah. did. And there's just uh, there's a certain I don't know. There's just a certain ambiance to it. You know, guys are trying to make something happen before you know get their name out there, get get noticed, and uh, and put on a show. That's where you can see some truly truly amazing stuff go down. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you think um, a lot of the folks that have kind of participated in the past, participating now, do you think their hopes are ultimately to go into something bigger? Or is it just like, we love what we're doing and we're happy with what we, that we actually have the opportunity to do this? A lot of, I've noticed there are a lot of guys, they're not so much focused on going, well, I'm going to get an ECW or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. They're just like, hey, uh, there's a show coming up in Crawfordsville, like, next month i'm gonna try to get on the card there oh you know marion they're doing a show every other month i'm gonna try to go to that so more than anything it's just like i mean like it's like with anything it's like networking but a lot of these guys just want to get out there and just do the craft they just want to you know they want to get in the thick of it and that's great you know um there's i think i mean of course on some level you want to blow up and get big and do all this crazy cool stuff that's you know, that's the idea. But then there's some of these guys, you know, like they're a little bit older. And so they, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of these companies that are like kind of mainstreaming now aren't necessarily big on older wrestlers. Right. You know, and it's too bad. I mean, because, you know, when I was growing up, you had some of the older cats that were still wrestling. I mean, Bruno San Martino was like an older dude and yeah. he was keeping up with some of those guys. I mean, you had uh, Bob Backlund kept going. Hmm? Bob Backlund kept going. Yeah, I mean, I mean Harley Race had some age on him when he was doing mm -hmm. his thing. I mean, yep. um, there were a lot of guys that just you know they just kept going. That that was just their thing. That was what they wanted to do. That was the life. And you know, kudos to them for it because um, I had a neighbor that retired, and I remember after like about a week of him sitting on the porch, he was just like, one day I'm sitting on the on my porch, he's sitting on his. He goes, "How you doing?" I said, "I'm all right." I said, "How are you join your retirement?" He goes, "It sucks." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Ah," he goes, "I can't like not do anything." He goes, "I think I'm going to get a part time job just to have something to do because this is driving me crazy." So you know, yeah, sharks like to keep swimming. Makes sense to me. Get it. That's the way we are. Always yeah. moving forward. No, not really, but <laughs> we're, we're sitting still right here. We're happy on our chairs. Don't move us. But uh, I, I have to say it has been fantastic hearing about some of the stuff that you have been up to since we have really uh, hung out regularly. And I, yeah. do you have any of these things that you would like to advertise that are going to be coming up? so that people know where to, to find you and see what you're going to be doing. Sure. The uh, next wrestling show, uh, it'll be at Carver Community Center in Kokomo, and it'll be the second Saturday of October, which I believe, let me check the date real quick. Look at the friendly handy-dandy calendar here. Well, let's see, October, so the second weekend, I think it'll be, if it's not, the, it should be the 15th, actually, which actually would be technically on the third. But I do believe it's the 15th of this next show. And it's going to, the doors open at about 6.30. And the show normally jumps off around 7. And, uh, I mean, we've got uh, a lot of tag team matches and battle royals set up. Some championships on the line. So that's going to be a fun show to check out. You can also uh, look on uh, AACW Old School Lives on Facebook for more information and um, figure out who you want to root for ahead of time. If you like antagonize them. We've had some guys that are like that. I've had some people like go on there and go, you guys, this person sucks. I don't like this wrestler. I'm like, well then when you come to the show, make sure to boo for boo at him, let him know you can bring signs. If you like, you know, um, I'm still uh, creating content for uh, Amos Cola, formerly known as Amos magazine. It's Amos amos-cola c-o-l-a.com um i've got some prose some poetry uh, a little bit of photography some uh, flash fiction um and a lot of the fiction i write is uh i use public domain characters um i even have continuations of some stories featuring the characters from the six emperors comic book that uh, i co-wrote with james mccord 
and Sterling Clark was our artist for it. So um, I decided to make like six stories featuring like solo uh, adventures of the characters. And then I've got another character named Dr. Omega, which uh, predates Doctor Who, but it's basically the same concept. Hmm. But my variation is his uh, companion is Calamity Jane from the Wild West. And he is a black man. He's time traveling. And uh, it's kind of funny because I came out with my version of Dr. Omega a few years ago. And then when I saw Shooty Gotwell, I got cast in the role. I'm like, <gasps> I'm going to write down, I win $10 billion. I'm going to write that down right now. And hopefully it'll happen <laughs> in a year or two. That'll be great. Um, so you can check out my work there. Um, you can always look me up on good old, I got a channel on YouTube. Uh, if you just type in Leonard Pig, you'll find some some of the stand-up I've done. I got some YouTube shorts that where I try to be funny, and sometimes it works. I talk a little about the comic industry and, and, and uh, a few other things. I had a couple of videos where I talk about Doctor Who. So uh, you can check me out there. I'm on Facebook. I mean, there are not very many Leonard Pigs, and um, it's just not a common name. So it's like Luthor and Metropolis. It's just very, very rare, but it's it's there. Well, so. Plus, you're very one of a kind to begin with. Why should anyone try and imitate that? It's no need. It's like the the role is filled is being done well. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to the program and sharing some stories with us, sharing some time, and uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again when you've got some other cool stuff coming up, uh, ready to plug, and uh, or if you just want to uh, make fun of some movies or comic books. <laughs> We that sounds here. like a plan. Thanks for the invite. I had a blast. Excellent. Thank you again. Mm-hmm.